You're listening to Null and Void with Tony Grundy and Andy Callahan, a For the Now media production. If ever there was a good time to say hello and welcome, it would be, well, right now, particularly as I bring you Null and Void episode 121, an exceptional sports podcast, in our opinion. You, dear listener, know how things work here. This week, there are stories from the world of golf, rugby's World Cup, football, cricket, athletics, you name it, we've got it. We've got your comments, a really ace get a grip, and just because we like to spoil you, we've persuaded last week's golf professional, Andy Wilde, to return as guest after a truly fantastic weekend of the Ryder Cup. My name is Tony Grundy. My name is Andy Callahan. I did eventually get my four and a half lawns done at weekend, but with so much time watching the golf. And on Saturday morning, uh, Sue and I both had our jabs for flu and COVID. To be honest, I don't normally get a reaction, but I felt quite knackered on Saturday and most of Sunday. Anyway, and I'm still a bit wobbly today because we're recording on a Monday here. How about you, Andy? You weren't having any jabs, were you? No, I wasn't. I'm not in the age group that's considered old enough to get the jab. You're too, you're uh, too young. Sorry, I yeah. forgot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> too young, too handsome. So unlike your good <laughs> self, I've I've not got to get my microchip updated uh, at this point of the year. So, uh, But likewise, watching a lot of golf, a lot of golf, cheering and yelling at the telly, um, pacing around the living room, and then watching the rugby. Um, but then also catching up with a couple of friends, went over and stopped with them Saturday evening for a spot of uh tea and catch up with their their two boys the two mini mischiefs that they've got um who absolutely wore me out yesterday morning they're uh eight and six and full of beans and yeah i i'm whilst i'm i'm claiming to be younger and handsomer um yeah i think i'm at the age where having to run around after two two tear away lads is uh definitely tiring <laughs> okay okay um Golf has to be the top sport we're going to talk about tonight. But in fact, we could spend the next 30 minutes talking about a great golfing weekend. But we've invited last week's guest, as I said earlier, Andy Wilde, back to cast an expert eye over the weekend. So you'll just have to wait for that. I've got Rugby Union next, Andy. There's so much there, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, it was another weekend of the World Cup, the group stages. And uh, whilst there weren't any of the really, I guess, critical matches that will decide who goes through or not, there were some uh, some runners and riders and some moving up in the uh, shakings uh, for those quarterfinal places. Fiji survived a big scare in Group C. They were 9-0 down to Georgia well into the second half before coming out 17-12 winners if Fiji had lost that could have opened the door for Australia and Fast Eddie to get out of jail um Australia beat Portugal 34-14 despite Portugal playing really well I thought for m- much of the game and if you like between the two 22s Portugal were probably the better side but Australia were clinical in their finishing Portugal had a number of opportunities that they didn't take um opportunities opened up to them by Australian poor discipline it's um it's maybe no coincidence that through 2022 Six Nations Summer Tour and Autumn Internationals, England's discipline was atrocious and the number of silly penalties they gave away and yellow cards and things like that 
And now Australia are following suit where um, the coach has moved from England to Australia. Now, it could purely be coincidence, but looking at it, Australia were, weren't were convincing, um, but they have done what they needed to do. But what it does do is it leaves Fiji just needing to take one point out of their match against Portugal this weekend to join Wales in Marseille in the quarterfinals with most likely a quarterfinal against England. And today, Eddie, Eddie Jones has had the dreaded vote of confidence from the Australian board. So, well, lethal, yeah. lethal, lethal. <laughs> so that, that was there. Scotland kept their hopes of a quarterfinal place alive with a resounding 82-0 win over Romania. But it still means Gregor Townsend's men need to beat Ireland by seven points or more on Saturday to go through to the quarterfinals. So big mm. task up against them. That'll be a humongous game. I think seismic game in terms of the groups. And then New Zealand hit back to top form with a 96-17 destruction of Italy, which puts them in pole position now to join France in the quarterfinals, provided that the French beat Italy this Friday night in Paris. What, what and then in the stuff? women's... Yeah, sorry, I was going to say Scotland. What do you think about Scotland? Uh, I, 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 if any team can beat Ireland, I think out of the home nations, Scotland, uh, a side that could do it. But I just think this Ireland team at the moment are too strong, are too dominant. Yeah. They, they, their defense is great. You know, they've they, they've become a side now that can beat all the top teams home and away. They've beaten New Zealand. In New Zealand, they've beaten South Africa in South Africa. They've beaten them all in Dublin as well. So I I, I just can't see it. I would love to see Scotland make it through. Um, the South Africans have already come out and said they hope there wouldn't be any collusion because if Scotland win by 21 points or more and get a bonus point and Ireland also get a bonus point, that would mean that Scotland and Ireland go through at the expense of South Africa. So already um, Jake Nienaber, the South African coach has been making allegations in the press that, you know, we've got to make sure that there's no collusion or no match fixing going on to put the spring box out. So they're running a bit scared, I think, running a bit paranoid, the Bocca. But um, yeah, I can't mm. see can't see it happening. The last time Scotland beat Ireland by more than 20 points was in 2001. So I can't see it happening. Um, but then in the women's internationals, the sides are warming up for the... Uh, WXV tournament in New Zealand. So England had their second test against Canada, much more hard fought this week, but a win 29-12. Uh, Wales beat the USA 38-18 and Scotland beat Spain 36-5. So all three of the home nations teams there warming up nicely for that tournament um, later on next month. Good, good. Okay. Um, football next. I WSL started at weekend, the Women's Super League, and already there are voices saying, is this too soon after the World Cup? England, along after the World Cup, and very soon after, England, along with other countries, have been playing friendlies and nation league matches. And now it's back to the Super League. I think there'll be more on that because what they're saying is there's just too much pressure on the top players physically and too many demands. And because the game's popular, I said there was 54,000 at Arsenal at, at wow. weekend, 
against Liverpool, there's a great demand and the, the pressures will build. So we'll see. We've talked about some of the ACL injuries before, but we'll see how that pans out. Anyway, the WSL did start. Interestingly, Arsenal lost at home in that game when there were 54,000 there, a record ever, um, whilst champions Chelsea won at home to Tottenham. City won at West Ham, as did United at Aston Villa. This week, interestingly, United women play PSG in the Champions League qualifier. And a bit like Arsenal a couple of weeks ago, if you lose that game, you're out. They lost on penalties. It's settled in one game. Uh So that will be fascinating to see how that happens. That's tomorrow, um, Wednesday evening, I think. Okay, in the Premier League, there was one shock result where Wolves beat City 2-1. City's first points dropped so far this season. Liverpool also lost 2-1 at Spurs. Jurgen Klopp was less than pleased when two of his players were sent off. Liverpool had a highly controversial goal disallowed uh, via VAR. And it was shown later it definitely wasn't offside. Oh, that, and a was, winning a, that goal, was a stinker of a decision. Tony. I don't know I mean, how they did it. But people no two ways about it. I, I, the only thing I can think is that both of the officials who were watching, meant to be watching the video had nipped out to put in their halftime pie order or nipped out to the loo <laughs> at the same but time it, because it's the only way they could have missed it. But after all that happening, Spurs then won the game in the sixth minute of, of added on time, conceding a spectacular on goal. If it had been a forward hitting it, you say, what a fantastic shot. As it <laughs> happened, it was Matip at the end. So uh, Jürgen was not a happy bunny. Also surprising was Brighton's 6-1 thrashing at improving Aston Villa. Now, this week, what we've got again is Champions League and Europa League matches being played. More of that clearly next week when we look back on it. I mean, just to pick up, my friends are Palace fans, the ones that their boys are Palace fans I was spending the weekend with, so they were more than happy with Palace's win over United, which I think is a, a, was yeah, a bit have, of a shock. And Andy, we haven't got time to talk about that now. We need to move ah, on ah, to Rugby ah, League. Ah. Rugby League and playoffs. Yeah, well, again, we, we are heading towards a final at Old Trafford. So like I said last week, at least there will be one championship trophy at Old Trafford this season. So um, yeah, yeah, Rugby yeah. League playoffs, uh, the semi-final lineups are confirmed. So Wigan and Catalans had a bye this week due to finishing first and second in the table. Um, the holders, St. Helens, who are aiming for their fifth successive grand final win, uh, beat Warrington 16-8 in their eliminator and now face an away semi-final to Catalan Dragons on Friday night. And Hull Kingston Rovers beat Lee 26 to avenge their Challenge Cup final defeat by the Leopards and set up a trip across the Pennines to Wigan on Saturday. So we've got uh, Catalans against St. Helens and Wigan against Hull Kingston Rovers in the semi-finals. And then the winners of those games will progress to the grand final the following Saturday at Old Trafford. Good, good. Now, um, cricket next. And it was, as we discussed last week, the conclusion of the county championship. Yes, sorry, we're winners. We were talking about them being 20 points clear, but you never know. Well, they managed to get through 
So Surrey winners, Essex runners up. And interestingly here, and I hadn't realised this, Middlesex were relegated. And you think of Middlesex and how they dominated county cricket for a long time. Mike Brearley and all of that, Gatting, all of those people. Um, so how the mighty are fallen there. And that's a big drop. County mm. cricket itself is at the top level, is uh, top division is not that healthy. But when you get relegated, you know it even more. Now, what we got on Thursday, Andy, of course, is the World Cup in India. What do you think of England's prospects? Their first game's... Yes, New Zealand, isn't it? Yeah, so the opening game is a replay of the 2019 final, which was the last time the tournament was held, when England won that absolute thriller in the Super Over against New Zealand at Lords. So uh, I'm confident. I think England have had a bit of a rocky build-up and haven't been 100% sure of their best lineup, But uh, I think they're starting to, starting to come good. Their warm-up, and preparation has unfortunately been hampered by rain in India. Not something you always equate with that part of the world. But the game warm-up game against India at the weekend was a complete washout, abandoned. And then they just played today against Bangladesh and won in a rain-affected game by um, on DLS. But uh, win by four wickets they did. Um, great performance with the ball by Reese Topley. And then a lower order 56 off, I think, 29 balls for Moeen Ali. So, yeah, it's starting to build up nicely. And we'll see how the weather holds up in the pool stages uh, in India. I think the, the great thing is it's uh, every, team, every team plays each other in the round robin. So, you know, one or two shock results, you can still make it through to the to the knockout stages of the tournament. So we'll see how England go, but yeah, quietly confident about their prospects. Yeah. We, we go from world cup to world cup. Don't we were so lucky in this work. Fantastic. Mm. Yeah. Um, athletics I've got next. And you were talking last week um, about Tidjus Sassafa, the Ethiopian world uh, champion, world record holder at the moment in that Berlin event where she did two hours, 11, uh, 53. And you quite rightly were identifying she was wearing these Adidas. Uh, is it Adidas? Yes, it is yeah. Adidas. Um, uh, running shoes at 400 pounds a throw that are only good for one race. Well, we were laughing at that. But she's not laughing because she's actually saying she believes uh, women can get down to two hours, 10 minutes, nearly two minutes off her winning uh, and record holding time at the moment. And she's saying the shoes definitely make a difference. And I guess being sponsored by them, she would say that, wouldn't she? <laughs> but you were making the point last week, the difference they make at that level and therefore through to club level, how much even greater difference it could mm -hmm. make. So she's, um, but she's saying the combination of the shoes and the coaching that they get makes her believe that two hours, 10 minutes is very gettable. So exciting wow. news from her. Okay. Um I, I made a note that Laura uh, Waitman, 32-year-old GB 1500 metres Commonwealth medal winner in 2014 uh, and uh, four years later, 2018, has announced her immediate retirement as a professional athlete. I'm quoting her when I, she said, to protect my long-term health. Over recent years, Waitman uh, has had a series of setbacks. She's had surgery 
and a long rehabilitation to deal with. And Laura says she's determined to stay involved with the sport as a coach. So good luck, Laura, with that. And I guess sometimes you just have that decision was clearly earlier than she imagined, but she's mm. had to make that because her body just couldn't stand it any longer. Okay. Um, what about gymnastics? You've got some stuff on that, don't you? Yeah. So it's the World Championships currently taking place in Antwerp, and it marked the return of former world number one, the American Simone Biles, who um, whose recovery yeah. had recently started competing again after a two-year mental health break from the sport. She stepped away uh, ahead of the Olympics um, two years ago in Tokyo and has taken a break from the sport. She recently came back to a domestic tournament. This week was her first international tournament, so straight back in in the World Championships. Um, In the qualification round for the all-round event, she became the first female gymnast to land the Yurchenko double pike vault, um, which is rated as the most difficult vault under the women's scoring guidelines. So she's the first ever woman to land it. So she scored a record number of points for that. And the vault is now being called the Biles 2, after a previous vault was named after her in 2018. So talk about coming back with an absolute bang, you know, after two years away from the sport, to just come in and land the most difficult, be the first woman ever to land the most difficult double pike in the scoring books uh, shows the standard and quality that she's at. Uh, Max Whitelock led Great Britain's men into third place in the qualifying in the team event, which secured their place in the final on Tuesday. And as things stand, as we're recording on Monday night, uh, Britain's women's team are in second place in the team event, looking to secure their place in Wednesday's final. So they're looking fairly good for that at the moment, although that that qualification is taking place as we speak. Okay, more on that, obviously, next week. We'll follow up. Um, i got uh, stuff on triathlon. Um, and we, we've covered this in a way before, but this business about the rivers that the swimmers, uh, uh, um, open water that the swimmers swim in, in the triathlon events. And the organisers of a triathlon fed by the river uh, Eden in Kent, the Castle Race Series have reported a number of competitors who swam in the weekend's event have had stomach problems and vomiting after the event. This follows our recent discussion about the condition of open water at these events. Perhaps appropriately, and get ready for this, the event took place at Hever Castle. I think fits in with the stomach complaints. But anyway, moving on quickly, moving on quickly, um, mountain biking. We've not spoken about that for a while. Yes, and uh, again, we've got a World Cup series taking place and this weekend it was almost heaven west virginia for british cyclist evie richards after the feedback we had last week i won't be singing that line from john denver's country road Um, but evie richards yeah west virginia as she won the short track event at the mountain biking world cup in snowshoe in the aptly named mountain state 
So that result puts her into third place in the World Cup series, heading into the final event of the season in Quebec this weekend. So she's come second in a couple of other events first this week, but she's third overall and aiming to then take the title if she can get a win in Quebec this weekend. Okay, when does that come up, the Quebec one? Uh, It's uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Excellent. Okay, uh, contact next. I've got a note from Null and Void, a regular, uh, Harry Robinson. Um, He was, uh, he said, he laughed out loud at our feature on the World's Stone uh, Skimming Championships when he suggested, when you suggested rather, I should enter the over 65s event, which you thought appropriately was called the old tossers category. Thanks, Harry. Good to hear from you. Always is. I know you're an avid listener. Good man. Thank you for that. I think your mum thought you were picking on me on that. Yeah, um, got told off again for uh, Andy and I making uh, comments about you only being able to drive less distance than (laughs) uh, some of these stone skimmers throw it. So, uh, um, but then again, she's not seen you play golf. So she... (laughs) (laughs) And unfortunately, Andy Wilde has, yeah. 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 So although it might have been scurrilous and uh, um, unfair, it was certainly true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the truth is very, very painful at times. <laughs> anyway, um, thanks for that, as I said, Harry. Um, time, you had a moan about somebody. Who's it going to be tonight? Well, we took aim at the South African fans last week in rugby and this week i'm going to take aim at the american rider cup fans because i'm just not sure they get golf i mean all (laughs) the booing and poor sportsmanship at the home events over in the us is bad enough but the moronic yelling of in the hole at every shot through this weekend was enough to have me growling in displeasure at the television and uh, making comments about George, if, if it hadn't been for George the Third, we'd still run the country. But actually, looking what they've done with it, probably good job we left them. So, uh, yeah, I, I was most displeased with the American fans this weekend. I mean, a player's lining up a tee shot on a 550-yard par five, and as he hits it, some buffoon is shouting, "In the hole!" Now, I know that the technology and players' ability and the fitness of players means that they're hitting the balls further and further than ever. But 550 yards? Come on, seriously, get a grip. The most obnoxious elements seem to be hyped up by the unsportsmanlike behaviour of Patrick Cantley's caddy, Joe LaCarva, on Saturday evening, waving his hat whilst um, um, Rory McIlroy was lining up his Part, and he was waving it right Stand, in McElroy's standing on his line eye line yeah um so i know that came to he a heated exchange in the car park after the event on uh, saturday evening and actually i think they made the mistake there of firing rory up he looked like a man possessed in the singles he was getting that point for europe no matter what happened but I know it's tense. I know it's electric. I mean, the the tee box at the first tee was like gladiators stepping into the Colosseum in Rome. Well, and, um, Andy Wilde was describing that, wasn't he, last week? And you could 
that was a perfect picture he painted, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. Talk about intimidating. And I know, I know it is, but American fans who think shouting in the hole is going to affect the flight of that little white ball. All I've got to say to you is get a grip. I think that's fair enough. Fair enough. And really what that leads us to now is to talk to our guest about that very event in the Ryder Cup. Andy Wilde is back with us. So here is the man, Andy Wilde. How are you doing? Are you, are you, have you sobered up yet? Oh, just about, Tone. Yes, oh, it was awesome, wasn't it? What a day. What a mm. day. And how good were those boys? <laughs> Never seen anything like it. Oh, amazing. Yeah, and Andy and I were discussing earlier, you know, the, the emotions of the weekend. And um, it just, it, you couldn't put it down. When you were talking last week about wanting it to be very close. And obviously the way we started wasn't close at all. That was a brilliant start. And they never really looked back from that. Although towards the end of the tournament, you begin to wobble a bit. How were you in, in your emotions? You, you said you get quite stressed. Yeah, well, once you know the result, it's the greatest way for it to develop, <laughs> isn't it? But it was a bit yeah. shaky for, for an hour. You're thinking, oh, God, can this possibly happen? And then you come through and in, in history, it will look like a very easy win. And I guess right at the end, it probably was, you know, uh, you know the last, last 30 minutes was relatively straightforward, I suppose, in the end. Where um, was your head, but, though, Andy, when we were when we were looking for where are we going to get that crucial half point in the singles? Because yeah. I know well, I was the, I, I was pacing. <laughs> yeah, I mean the great thing we had Fleetwood at the back. Larry's not a bad man to have, is he? Um, but Fleetwood was there, and he always he, he's got that um, feel about him now, isn't it? That he's going to come through when when you really need it. Mm. And although on sixteen, um, when Fowler hit it in the water. He still stood up and hit a great shot. I mean, I was thinking little four hybrid down the left, chip it on and get out of town. But he hit a great shot onto the green, didn't he? Where, I mean, it wouldn't take a lot to flare it out to the right and, you know, screw that no, chance, wouldn't it? There's some so fantastic moments, uh, Andy, in, in it. That, and, and I think one of the things, again, Andy Callan and I were talking about was the, the amphitheatre that is that first hole. How... It's, you know, you described it last week, and then then you could see it, and you're thinking, "Wow, wow! How would that be if you're on that first tee?" I mean, the crowds were fantastic. You said, you know, it'll be Sol Solham Cup on 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 uh, on drugs. I think you said, mm, <laughs> but yeah, it, absolutely, but it, yeah. But it 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 really was. It is a fantastic course, but that first hole is just one to behold. It's incredible, isn't it? There's not a start like that in golf, is there? Yeah. My nephew was there actually at live. He was there on Sunday in the stand. And I got oh, some okay. videos from him. So, uh, and he's he's a golf pro, and uh, just talking to him about it was. Um, I mean, it's great to see it on the TV, isn't it? But when you're there, I've been to about five Ryder Cups, and when you're there, the atmosphere is like nothing. I've been to Wimbledon. I've done a few other bits, but of Twickenham and all that. But and they're all brilliant. But there is nothing like that first tee. That is just immense. How they even stand up, I don't understand. Incredible. Just so electric. Now, I mean, they're even the... cheering the the practice swings. You know, they're all... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every yeah. time a practice swing went, you know, you just, yeah, something something else. So, yeah. so Andy, in, in, in terms of uh, looking back on this, 
Is the answer with Rory, get him angry? Uh, good shout. It certainly fired him up, didn't it? And he was very focused the next day. So I think um, a few things happened, like Patrick Regan in, in the older uh, Ryder Cups. It's very dangerous if you poke the bear, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that probably was a great thing. And I think there's been many, many people. I think Michael Jordan was one of them. He He would say, I'd pick an imaginary fight with one of the players just to make me angry and get me really focused. So there's something in that, isn't there? And I think it happened to Cantley as well, the other way around. Um, he got yes. fired up, didn't he? Mm. And the hat thing and all that sort of stuff. So I think that that worked for him in, in a certain way, made him focus. So, um, yeah, they were, I mean, our big guys just stood up. And I think that's the lesson from from last time, wasn't it? They were very disappointed in their, the way they performed. And our top guys didn't stand up. And I think uh, they've matured a bit. They now understand what they need to do. And I say, you know, please, we say nearly every time I come on the programme, I hope Rory does it. And, uh, and he did it, didn't he? And really, he should have got five out of five because um, he was very unlucky to, to lose to Cantley in the, in the uh, four ball, wasn't he, in the end? Mm. Um, which turned out to be a good thing for us, I think, strangely, as it works but- out. I mean, for the Americans to only get the first win on the board in session three on Saturday morning, I, I, I don't think I've ever seen them have such a bad start to a Ryder Cup. And then that was, no. they, they almost looked a bit shell shot. Yeah. 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 And it's, um, I mean, uh, I've, I've watched the press conferences today on um, YouTube. And um, obviously, if you lose, you're, you're, you're slated, aren't you? And it's, you know, your preparation wasn't great, blah, blah, blah. But talking, Listen to all of it is none of them gave that as an excuse, which is fair play. They said there was a bit of illness, but they played that down as well. So I don't think any of them, I think Zach sort of stood up and took it on the chin and just said we played a bit better. Uh, and the only game that really was very poor was Kepka and Scheffler, really. I mean, there were seven over for Forsen, which is like, well, it's a tough golf course, but that's like a 13 handicapper, really. So that, that was the only poor. The rest of it, we, we just played better. And and they did what they used to do to us all the time, which is basically hold more putts. And we did have a couple of extremely adventurous uh, chip-ins at the right moment, mm. which were um, interesting. So it all went our way, didn't it? But momentum, as they say, is absolutely everything in that event. But the Americans could have squeaked it on Sunday. It wouldn't have taken a lot for that to go horribly wrong. Mm. <laughs> but that's yeah. exciting. You've got, that, you got 24 that's... guys. They're all perfectly matched. It's a fifty. It's a flip of the coin. All of them, you know, who wins really? But our top guys came through, didn't they? Really impressive. And I, th- I think Andy also uh, led in Luke Donald, superb oh. captain. He, every time he appeared, I'm thinking, I rate this guy. You know, if he was my yeah. leader, I'd want to be yeah. with him. He's just statesmanlike, really, uh, yeah. and, and without ever coming over as big time. You know. Whereas I got the opposite impression from the uh, American captain. But, you know, they've already talked to him and he said he's available in a couple of years' time. Wouldn't that, do you think that'd be a good thing? Yes. We should book him in now. Because <laughs> yeah. it's, yeah. it's a much bigger, you know, it's very clear, it's a much bigger challenge um, winning away from home, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got that, um, he's going to have a nucleus of that team plus a few new ones. Yeah, I would say yeah, they've been mad not to really, and it's, it's not. It's not like it hasn't been done before. I think Jacqueline was three times captain, and Gallagher was a couple of times. So it has been done, and that, I don't think there's anybody at the moment you go, oh well, that guy should be the next captain, because 
the ones that should have been have already been. And, you know, Rose is a bit early yet, isn't he? And so there's there's no one that I think ever go, oh, he should be the next captain. Um, so I think it would be a great thing for Donald to be. And they all love him, and they? And he did really well. I mean, in, in the opening ceremony, we were one up. And I th- when Zach spoke, I thought he was actually quite good. He did a bit of Italian, whatever. When Donald did his, you know, four or five cents, sentences in fluid, fluid Italian, hey, he was very good. And the suits looked better. Everything looked better about what we were doing. That, but, yeah, he was he was super cool, wasn't he? Uh, and yeah. and he, he captured yet again the the inspiration of Sevi into yeah. their uniforms and everything. You oh, know, just so clever, so clever. Yeah, having the badge on the inside, the mm. the big mural the uh, in, in the stand. There's so many bits. Now again, I've been on YouTube and watched the uh, walk through the the um, team room. Just tiny things, but brilliant. There was a wall of Europe and it was all the players that had been before in the, in the Europe flag. Just bloody clever, really. And I think um, it was the Glen Eagles when McGinley did. There's been more more people in space, I think, than played in the Ryder Cup. Wow. That was a stat. And that was his thing. That was, you know, this is yeah, very yeah. special. You are special people. Um, and and they, they obviously learn from their other good and bad. You know, you have to say Fowler was, was a pretty poor captain. Great player, poor captain. Uh, so they they learn from good and bad, and they just take the good stuff on and and hope for the best. But you know, they're twenty four players, both ex- all st- extremely good. It's a bit of a flip of a coin. Clearly, much easier at home than it is abroad. Although it's not easy in any form, is it? Mm. Um, and if you get up quick, it helps tremendously, doesn't it? But compared what? to where we were two years ago, this is amazing. No, yeah. no I wish I'd put some money on it because no one would have. <laughs> put money on the European <laughs> yeah. winning this time with it. I mean, all the commentators were saying over the weekend, you know, after that defeat two years ago, um, almost people were saying, is this going to be a, a, a decade-long American yeah. dominance? And yet, now, what is it? They haven't won in Europe in, well, 30 years. 93 was yeah. the last time. So when they come back in to Ireland in four years' time, it'll be 34 years since yeah. they've last won in Europe. I mean, that's yeah, got to be probably one of the one of the best home records in any sport. Yeah. I mean, since Europe um, joined in 79, we must be the dominant force. We yeah. must have won quite a bit more than America, although the mm. overall figures are, are very biased towards America. So um, in recent years, we've been the force, haven't we? So something that occurs to me in, in all of this, and the uh, while it is, What's the sort of heritage that comes from this? In other words, I heard Nick Faldo, Sir Nick Faldo's words at the end, and he was quite emotional. But what he was mm. saying is, this is going to do so much for the game. If you're a young person looking at this now, surely you're going to be inspired to say, I want to do that. Do you think that's an important factor for golf in general? Yeah, absolutely. It has been through the years, hasn't it? And they also, I remember... <laughs> David Howe saying uh, he dreamt of being, I think I said this on the l- last week actually, um, dreamt of being a Ryder Cup player and teeing up on the first tee until he got on the first tee and realised he wanted to be anywhere else but on the first tee. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they may dream it, but they might realise they don't want it at the end of the, end of the day. Um, no, it's, no um, Nobody told me adrenaline was brown and runny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you imagine? I get a big side pain for a tenner, let alone uh, all that. Um, but yeah, I, I think they've been very clever. The Sevy thing runs through the theme of all, all of it, doesn't it? And the Lathabelle, 
Um, and and that's just it's a, it's a, you know our, our modern thought about golf, isn't it? And what what um, and, and the Americans do get into it, don't they? They're very keen, and but there's just something about us. We're keener. We've been the underdogs for a long time, and I think that semi punch up last night was a bit of a you know as Roy said it was a bit of disrespect to me, my partner, and the team. Now mm. I don't think it probably was, but you know they made it part of that and that gave them a bit more of an edge so I think they just need it more don't we we're still classed as underdogs I think uh, overall when you look at the rankings and how good the Americans are and on paper you think oh god but they were they underperformed the last three or four months and we we performed very well so and do you think the whole I mean the whole hat waving came around because Cantlay was refusing to wear the team hat or, or allegedly refusing to wear the allegedly. team hat because he he objects to not being paid to perform in the Ryder Cup. Do you think that was a distraction if there are arguments behind the scenes about whether they should be paid to play or not? Well, it, I mean, it's not the first to say that, but the, the vast majority say, look, we make enough money, you know, that we don't need it, um, which is true. Uh, I'm not sure it was the money, but they, they, they say it wasn't. Um, and now they're saying on the press conference he said he's getting married tomorrow and one of the guys suggested he didn't want a sort of white <laughs> forehead which is actually what they've all got isn't it <laughs> which uh, yeah, yeah there's the the, the uh, golf the golf tan you must recognize it andy that you know when wearing any shorter sleeves and yeah, suddenly there's yeah. a, a band yeah. of white there correct but i don't think uh a white forehead is going to put the girl off marrying the multi-billionaire Patrick Gilfer. Yeah, what what first <laughs> you... attracted you to the multimillionaire? Yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But but you I, know, I thought um, for me actually, knowing the F one, they have a guy who basically they all come in and they slap the watches on them. The guy comes in and he gives them all their watches. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be the forehead forehead tanner. So as soon as they pull off their hat, I'm just going to walk in and give them a quick wipe. I think that would be my semi-retirement. A little bit of fake tan. Yeah, that's your retirement plan, is it, Andy? (laughs) You could do very well with that. Now, does does this, though, Andy, this heritage thing we're talking about, does it actually translate in terms of your work at a club level? Will people pick up the phone saying, I've watched the Ryder Cup, I used to play a bit of golf, and it's inspired. Will Will it happen at that level with you on the back of it? Yeah, it happens every, uh, particularly the Masters. Um, it, it's spring and everybody gets out and they see it and it definitely bumps up and it will, yeah, absolutely, 100%. Yeah. So, and when the guys come to me and say, I want to be, you know, on, on the next Ryder Cup team when they're 55 and heavily pregnant men come to me and say, <laughs> I'm going to be in that team, I'm going to say, yes, absolutely, sign up now. <laughs> 12 less than 12. Twelve lessons should do it easily, I'd say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> minimum, minimum of a hundred lessons now. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, one but, of the other things that's been talked about this week, Andy, after the the drama of the Solheim Cup in the run up to the Ryder Cup, there was talk about you know if that ends up a tie as well. There's this talk of could it go? Would it would it add to the event by having a playoff that decides the ultimate winner? What's your thoughts on that? Is that would that be a good thing, a bad thing, or well, you could let the captains play. <laughs> That'd be fun. That'd be um, interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's 
That's a very good question. Oh, yeah, well, it depends if you if you if you're retaining, you you'll want to take it, won't you? And if you're not retaining, you want to you want to play off. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, uh, is it too big a deal? That's a great question. Don't know. Imagine, it's, imagine being the poor, poor so and so's drawn out of the hat to have that playoff. Oh, sudden man, that would be that would be horrendous, wouldn't it? I think for me, I, a, tie, a tie's a tie. I mean, I'm I'm mm. sure the Americans are not happy that the Solheim Cup's not going back to America, but they tied. It's a lot better than losing, isn't it? Yeah, and that was that was a strange thing about the Miracle Medina because set, um, Tiger gave a putt. Uh, to the chap he was playing uh, right at the end. Uh, I think it's Molinari, I think, maybe. Maybe Molinari. Uh, and it was a good four or five footer, and he needed that to to win the match, which would have, you know... Um, so set, uh, Tiger missed his putt, and Fran had a putt that if he hold it, would win win the match, and therefore we would win, you know, rather than tie. Mm. And, and Tiger just gave it to him. Which we all thought at the time was a bit odd because I'd rather tie than lose, but you know, a bit weird, really. Um, I mean, there was talk this weekend of you know should Fowler have made Tommy Fleetwood putt out on that yeah. on, on that last shot, you know? Because uh, I mean, there was still the potential, you know. Lowry was still out playing, um, so so it wasn't as though that was a McIntyre wasn't as though that was necessarily going to decide the Ryder Cup. But almost yeah, yeah. Put, keep the pressure on, make make them play out. Yeah, well, very few putts were given. I mean, they they, you know, back in the day they were given quite generously. But now, you know, even the smallest putts tend to get um, asked to put in. I think McIntyre was the only one who missed a little one. But it's all possible, isn't it? Under the severe pressure. I mean, so, yeah, some of the yeah, shots we saw on the final final day, you looked at it and thought that can only have come out of being under. Under pressure, you know some of the shots that went right off yeah. the hit, bounced off the path and into the into the real thick rut. Yeah, and there, there was a fair few, wasn't there? Mm. Which, so you know, even under that pressure, it's surprising because they're so good all the time that when they hit a really wide one, you think, "Wow, how did that happen?" Yeah. You know, Homer did really well anyway, but because he not he did knock it in the water on sixteen and such a great yeah. golf swing. You go, "How can that? How is that possible?" But, you know, the margins of golf are so small uh, that you don't need to do a lot wrong and it makes it look pretty poor, doesn't it? Mm. But no, so From your, your point of view, and, you know, shorter days, you know, darker nights and all the rest of it drawing in, what's the sort of scene for you going forward? I mean, to cram more into what's available in daytime, what actually happens? Do you just have a lesser workload? How, how, yeah, how does that work out? Well, very weirdly, it doesn't vary massively. It's just, um, I, as you say, it crams into a smaller time period. So uh, I'll do six days a week and finish at four. But I'll probably get through just as many. In the summer, I'll take a few breaks and maybe a bit of lunch or whatever. Um, but So work effectively longer hours, but with a bit more relaxing in between. So I tend to be just as busy around. I do my winter break, you know, take people away four or five times uh, through the winter to Portugal and Turkey. Um, so, uh, you know, we keep really busy. But it's a great time to, to improve your golf because a lot of the stuff I do is about drills and setup and stuff you can do indoors. So when you get to four or five o'clock and you can't do anything else, uh, actually doing the drills, although I, I quite enjoy them, but they're not the most exciting things to do. Um, 
but you can do them indoors. And it's a great way to practice, really, because the golf ball makes uh, golf hard. Well, obviously, makes it harder in the sense that we, people try harder with a golf ball in front of them. Then you do it on the golf course even harder. So if you can develop your skills uh, in a position where it's not, you, you don't have to worry about the result. You're just thinking about the movement and you can get that to a point where you can do it without thinking. That really works well then to transfer on the course. But most people want to transfer that skill too quickly. And then they're still thinking too much about it when they play and swing. So uh, the drills at night are a really good thing to do. To be fair, I do I do need to get out more. I, I understand that. People will be thinking. <laughs> but, you know, I find it exciting. <laughs> but, but Andy, in terms of people listening to you, obviously you're in, in Berkshire, Reading, in most of your operation. If people are hearing this, and we have people all around the world, but people more local to you, wanted to know more how do they best get in contact with you how would you rather uh, they did that well the, the easiest thing is uh email really which is my name andrew wild w-i-l-d at aol.com fantastic well we'll we'll publicize that in in the stuff that goes out this week and we really do appreciate you being with us at smashing and with such a great success to celebrate uh it's been even better than normal Thank you yeah, very much for being with us. Cheers, Paul. Great pleasure. And I wouldn't have come on if we'd lost. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I, obviously, it's an audio podcast that we do, but what I can tell our listeners is that actually all through this, all three of us have just been grinning from ear to ear. Yeah, at the absolutely. Results. So, yeah. love, <laughs> so thank love you, Lovely to have you on, Andy. Cheers, Paul. Thank you very much. Bye, mate. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Okay, yeah, well, uh, uh, lovely to get Andy back, and, and what a success to celebrate there. But as ever within talking with Andy, some great advice for golfers, whether you're a beginner or whether you're somebody coming back to it, great inspirational stuff as well. So we'll publicise those contact details, and we look forward, uh, you know, for a great night tonight with this episode, but again, look forward to you being with us next week. So much happening. It's a really exciting time. Thank you again. See you later. Bye-bye. Cheerio, folks. Null and Void with Tony Grundy and Andy Callahan. Together, they don't add up to much. If you have a sports story, you can contact the team on nandv at forthenow.co.uk.